Um, let me see where I'm going to have us go first, because I talked for a little while. But 1 Corinthians 11 will be where we get to. I'll have a little introduction here. Advent is what celebration. You know, churches where they wear robes, light candles and incense, and have pipe organs in the background. You know, those kind of churches are usually the ones that um, celebrate Advent. As we were looking into it, we're like, why can't we do it? I was even reading um, uh, some some websites saying, you know, should a Christian? Why not? You know, but and it was saying there's no reason not to because boy, what it talks about. And that was kind of how when it was brought to me, and we looked at it we're like, yeah, why don't we? We decided to adopt it here. We've gone through uh, I think a couple, three or four years now that, we, that we've done it. Um, you'll notice I'm not wearing a robe and we're not burning incense, you know, so we're not taking everything with it. But we will light a candle because it has a purpose by, by how we go through it. Now, it's not like I'm offering up a prayer by lighting this candle or that it's uh, doing anything super spiritual doing it. It's a visual marker for us. We light it to mark time. A visual image to show us where we are and what's approaching. It's a countdown clock. As, as we light these, we'll, we'll start on the, my right and, and we'll march across. And we're marking Advent. Advent defined as the arrival of a notable person. You know, like someone that's going to change things, going to mark time. Jesus Christ split time in two. It's Latin for ad, means to, and verne, uh, to come. So it says Advent, to come, you know, that... We are marking that someone is coming, that Christ is coming. And we're celebrating specifically his first coming. But the whole time you do it, it is marking his second coming. Because he's one who comes twice. You know, he came the first time, but he's coming again. You know, to satisfy all these things. Someone is coming. And we are waiting for them. That's what this is to mark. This is what this is for us to, to ponder about, to, to wonder about. Um, the celebration of Advent starts four weeks in front of Christmas. And so you take when Christmas is going to be, you come four weeks back and you start, and that's why we are where we are. So we have four Sundays till Christmas. So once we talk this one, there'll be three more left, marching up to where this year we end right on Christmas Eve. So it's uh, pretty fortunate. It doesn't always work that way, but you know, it works out good for us this time. But you count the four Sundays before to count down to Christmas. When I was growing up, it's like we didn't celebrate Advent, but we had an Advent calendar in our house. It was one my grandma got us. As a matter of fact, I think she got all the, um, it was my mom's mom, got all of, uh, of her children. And so we had them in our houses because I can remember going to visit my cousins and they had the same one. And uh, uh, it was a Christmas tree. And then at the bottom of it, it had 1 through 24 or 1 through 25 at the bottom. And it had little pockets, you know, and so at it. And then as the first would go by, we would all fight for who gets to go first, you know, and, and we would get a pull out as a kid, and inside that little pocket would be an ornament. And we would take that ornament, and we'd pin it on the tree. And so we'd decorate the tree as the month went on, counting down the days till Christmas. Uh, the 17th, my brother always stuck a deer in there. He always had a reindeer ornament because that was his birthday. So no matter what, he got to put the ornament on the tree that day, and he got to pick the ornament. So he always stuck a little deer on there that day, and, and he still hunts deer all the time. But ever since he was little, he would do that to put it on there. So that was what we would do. We'd, we'd mark it down, and then we'd build up our tree. And as we marked time, as the tree got fuller, as we'd go by, we could look, and, and we could sometimes, you know, we would kind of, because there's... I, 
three brothers when I was younger. And so we would mark it, and you could kind of pull up and sneak ahead and, and try to fight for what ornament we were going to get. And you could pull them up in anticipation, like it's getting close. And then, you know, Santa was on the last one usually. And so we, we were marking that way. And so it marked time, but it built anticipation. It's getting closer. The tree's getting fuller. Most of the pockets are empty, you know, and so it, it kind of get us all ramped up. Uh, remember that. You remember being giddy excited at Christmas time? You know, you get out of school and you're home, and you're like, man, Christmas break, you're finally here, and, and driving your mom crazy, usually, you know, it's just the magic and the wonder of Christmas, there's something about it, you know, that is there, the, the excitement and waiting. Ah, oh, we got to wait till then. Uh, my family didn't put any presents out until that Christmas morning, they were there. Elaine's family, I think they were under the tree, and they were there for most of the month. She also opened them early, but, uh, but, uh, but we were, it was a surprise that morning, it's kind of like, what's it going to be? And so I can remember, you know, Christmas morning, we'd get up and round the corner, we'd look, and it was always like, oh, you know, like, well, what's there? You know, just be, just didn't know what to expect, you know, then now there it is, you know, so just building towards that, knowing each year, it was like, you know, we always got something, you know, and so we would build towards it, and so we would, we would usually get in trouble the weeks building up to Christmas, because we were so wound up, and we were so excited, and we're like, yeah, I can't wait. You know, we'd all be, yeah, so imagine me at eight, you know, <laughs> being that way. So, um, like Jeremiah, probably, like, <laughs> just kind of, kind of wound up that way. And so we would sit, and we would talk about it. Sometimes, you know, we'd get yelled at, and she's like, you need to be quiet. You know, you need to be quiet. You guys, you're getting too rowdy, you know. And so we'd sit and talk about it, which usually meant we pulled out the Sears and the JCPenney catalog, because that was what we had. We didn't have the internet. And you pulled it out, and you had the toy section. We'd pull through there, and it was like... Sometimes it's almost hard as Elaine and I go through like Taylorsville Mall, these antique malls. It's hard for me to remember what toys I actually had and what toys I thought I had because I looked them in the catalog. Oh, I hope I get this one. You know, we'd go through and we'd daydream about all those. It was, I had a month of that, you know, because we had built up for it. We're like, oh, here's on my list. Here's what it's going to be. I don't, I don't know if I ever got anything I wanted out of the JCPenney catalog. But I sure enjoyed, you know, looking through it, anticipating and the serious cat, like, what's it going to be? And we would sit and talk about it with my brothers, gifts mostly. Well, I think I'll get this, and then maybe if you get that, you know, then we'll both have it, we'll share. And we, and we, would, we would, like, plot and plan that way. We would, say so just drool over it. Sometimes we'd just sit and stare at the tree quietly. You ever do that? Just sit and look at it? I think Bree posted a picture of Raylan and Grace sitting there watching the Christmas lights playing across the ceiling. It's like we would do that with other kids once we had the tree all decorated. We'd crawl underneath it and look up through the center of it, you know, see all the lights and how it'd play off the ornaments and sparkle that way. Just daydreaming with the wonder of Christmas and how it was, what it was going to be like, you know, just quietly thinking. And you know, you're really thinking, I wonder how I'm going to get, you know, <laughs> I wonder, you know, I wonder what it's going to be. And, and just, just the, it's, it's beautiful. I, like we were driving around last night just looking at the yards decorated with the lights, you know, the, and the, the, just the de- decorations as they go forth. It just kind of builds in that excitement. Um, normally, we didn't do that. We didn't sit around and quietly reflect, staring at a tree. You know, we, we were usually crazy boys running around. Dad usually threatened us to get out of the house, and we stayed outside most of the time because we were too rowdy. And so he goes, I bought you five acres, wire it out. And we'd go outside and we'd play all over the, that, and five acres weren't enough. We went all down, up and down the road. We knew every neighbor's backyard, and we knew all the woods up and down the road. We had a, you know, the bicycle trail out in front of the road that we rode on. We, we, we were always involved in all that stuff. Uh, but not Christmas, it was colder, and we stayed inside, and we, and we thought, and we were looking, and we were watching, we were anticipating. We were excitedly talking. It's getting closer. It's getting closer. Um, we had a tradition with my brothers and I that we would all spend the night in, this, in the same bedroom because we didn't trust each other usually. <laughs> and so we'd sit up and we'd even watch the neighbor's house thinking that maybe we'll see him land on the neighbor's roof. And 
It's embarrassing. That was twelve, but uh, <laughs> we would, but we would watch and we, and then we'd wait. And mom and dad would always like, you have to wait until such and such time. We'd get up, but we'd be, we'd be up early that morning and, and ready to go. I find that quite the contrast, because we are in an Advent countdown now. Um, this month we're going to celebrate the first Advent by remembering and looking back. Like I said, it's a parallel. You have when he came and when he is coming, they lay on top of each other. And we are in a real countdown now. His second advent, his second coming, is nigh unto us. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 26, is our communion that, that we read each week. But verse 26, I don't always read, but it says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he comes. It's a remembrance. We remember what he did through the communion. You know, we do it so we don't forget that Jesus died for us. That he, he gave his body. The bread represents that. He gave his life. The juice represents that. And that he's coming again. They didn't defeat him. He rose victorious. He ascended up into heaven. And the angels even told him as they're standing on the hill that day, he is coming in like manner. You know, go be busy. You know, do with the master's business. And so it's a remembrance and an expectation every time we take communion. And we do it every week here. And so we're to be thinking about it. He did come. He did do what he said he was going to do. He's coming again. That's why we prepare ourselves for judgment. That's why we judge ourselves. That's what we go through and say, Lord, forgive me for the wicked things that I've done. And we confess those to him so that we have that right relationship with him. So that when he does come, he finds us right. You know, so we have a time to cleanse ourselves, purge ourselves. We can do it every day. And we should do it every day. But we have a time corporately as a church where we come together and we think about what he did for us. And that he did come and that he is coming. They're tied together. His first coming and his second coming tied together. He's, I am coming. I will finish what I started. So he is returning and is getting closer. We didn't have to, I guess we don't have to wonder, because I always find myself thinking, boy, what would have been like in Jesus' day? What would I have been like? What would I have been doing in Jesus' day, you know, before his birth, you know, before he came? Where would I have been? Would I have been on the scoffer side? Would I have been in the traditionals group that was rejecting what he was saying? Or would I have heard his words and said, no, that is him. It is clear from Scripture that he is who he says he is. You know, you ever play that game? You ever wonder, like, what, what would I do? Would I, would I have chosen with him or would I have been most against him? You ever thought about that? We don't have to think about that. We're on the eve of his coming now. What group are we in? The warning signs are increasing. Evil is on the rise. Wickedness surrounds us. I mean, watch the news. Evil is counted as good and good is counted as evil. You know, to the point where you can't... They're going to judge every word that comes out of your mouth. They're going to crucify you for, for saying speech. Is that hate speech? Did you mean something by this? Are you calling this what? Are you mocking them? You know, they're, you know, I think that's racist. Are you racist? You know, to the point where they want to control us not to say anything. You don't think that that's aimed at witnessing? That you're going to offend somebody so they want to keep you shut up and quiet and laws against it? That's a, it's a ploy from the devil. It's a, exactly a ploy from the devil. That's how it starts. You know, by controlling language, controlling what you say, controlling how you think. You're afraid to talk. It makes you cowardly. It makes you, I don't want to offend. I don't want to be this. God tells us through the Bible, you, one you need to be afraid of not offending is me. And I tell you to talk about me. I tell you to share the good news. I tell you to tell about my son. You want to offend somebody, don't offend me. That's what he tells us. And so he tries to remind us of that. So we need to be prepared. Uh, people are easily offended today. The Bible warns about that. They cry, peace, peace. 
And yet it's more violent, right? Everywhere. Strange events are in the earth. I had my earthquake warning go off on my phone today. Um, six point something on some island somewhere. Volcanoes, tsunamis, hurricanes. Mass deaths of animals, bird deaths. They'll just have flocks of birds fall out of the sky and, and be on the ground. Uh, whole beaches and, and rivers that will just be lined with dead fish, and they don't know what killed them. Sometimes on the coastlines, weird fish that we don't normally see, like these are deep ocean dwellers, they're dead, and they're all washed up on the beach, and that makes them scratch their head. They don't know why. Diseases that go around our world, that we're, the plague is back. If you hadn't heard that, the plague is back, and it's just one airplane a ride from, from coming to the United States, and uh, it's incurable. The Black Death is what it was called before, and it wiped out a bunch in the old days, let alone when we all lived in cities and have ventilating systems like we do today. So that's kind of scary. War. Our ground is war ground. We are sitting in a target for war, right? They march into churches now and blow them up, and they're going to shoot people or do whatever else. We were warned that by Homeland Security a couple of years ago. And we've seen it come to fruition, you know, that that's what they do. You know, so war, not only just war in a war zone, some faraway place, but you can be anywhere. And tell me you don't think about it. Anytime you're like in a crowded spot, you're like, ah, parade here in Franklin Lights. What if there's a shooter? We're all gathered together like fish in a barrel. It crosses your mind. I remember the first time going to... Um, um, it was in the Hoosier Dome. I was going to make sure I get the right place. It was in the Hoosier Dome, so way back when. After 9-11, and we're all sitting there, and we're like, man, we're like sitting ducks. You know, what was happening? And then they had, like, and the rockets red glare, and they were singing the National Anthem, the bombs went off, the bombs bursting in there, and the whole place jumped. And I heard everybody around us, including us, saying, that's not cool. You know, it's like, you know, it's like usually it's the fireworks, yay! But we were all, man, we're all sitting here, we're targets. So, yeah, we're in a war zone. Strange events in the skies. From blood moons to super moons, which is tonight, and uh, meteors, asteroids, and everything else. We're tracking them all the time. We keep having more and more near-Earth objects. They're like, it just missed us. It came between us and the moon. Is this way, this way. If this hit us, it was a mile wide. It would take out this. We'd be in nuclear winter like for so many longs. These are in the common in the news today. It's like open a window if you have one of those advent calendars. You open the little window, and there's a little candy inside. Sometimes the advent box is that way. Oh, here's something we got today. Or for my family, it was hanging that ornament in the tree. Every one of these things that we see happen in the world today is a countdown saying, we are getting closer. His return is closer. Oh, earthquake in diverse places? Closer. We put it on there. The countdown is on. We should be getting ramped up and excited. It's closer. He's closer. It's closer than it's ever been. Signs are happening. The singularity, they call it, of the signs as they begin to multiply and happen more and more rapidly together. We should be talking about it. We should sitting around and be reflectively thinking. Like looking at that tree saying, where am I in all this? How, how will he judge me? If he were to come back today, how would I stand? Am I faithful? Would he find me faithful? Would he find me wanting to be faithful? Would I deserve a reward? Or will I get a disappointing look from him like, I wanted to reward you, I really did. But you've left me no choice. Like a disappointed parent. Our faith should be increasing. It should be in growing with every sign. We should be getting ramped up, kind of like, it's getting closer, the tree's getting full. You know, we'd be looking at him like, oh, the boxes are opening up as we're checking down, the countdown is coming. Uh, we should be... The world should be sick of hearing what we have to say. Maybe they are. You know, but we need to be saying about it, but we should not be afraid of saying it. I mean, think about the signs that we see. 
It is no longer speculation about a chip on someone's hand. Companies and countries are doing it. Uh, They use it for a subway system in Europe. There are companies in the United States that have it. It's not like a technology like some weird old thing that might be happening in the future. We have it now. It is now. Uh, Global government and the battle for globalism is on right now in the the White House as it goes on. That's the war. That's the battle that is going on. Why is everyone so against? Because you have one who is against an independent nation. You have one who is for an independent nation. You have one that is saying, no, we need to be a part of a global global cooperative where we surrender all of our control to one government. The Bible talked about that. In the last days, that will be how it is and how they'll be hated. We have that going on. It's in the very debates each and every week. Um, A headline this past month about what is coming that says pretty much, there will be a one world religion and we will all have to bow down to an AI God, an artificial intelligence God, that will then unite all these things. It will judge what you say, how you say it, and if you do not comply, you will pay a price for us. They said it's not an option, it's what is coming. The Bible talked about that 2,000 years ago in the book of Revelation, that there will be an image set up like the beast that you'll have to give homage to and worship. And we used to think, how in the world and what? We live in a day and age where it's like, oh, okay, yeah, it is there. It's going on. The Bible told about it. That should be ornaments that were hanging on the tree. We should be bouncing off the walls. Instead, it seems like the world is like this. Look at Second Peter chapter 3. Second Peter 3 and verse 4. We have the world and sadly a lot of churches that are saying what this says. Second Peter verse, chapter 3 verse 4 saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. No, they're not. Things are rapidly changing. Knowledge is increasing. Men run to and fro over the face of the earth. Warnings that David or Daniel talked about. Knowledge shall increase. That things are opening up. We understand scriptures like we've never understood them before. We see these things coming upon the earth. And the Bible warns us, don't give in. Look at Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews 10, I'm going to start verse 22 because it kind of gives us the context. Hebrews 10, uh, 22 says, Let us draw near with our true heart and full assurance of our faith. Drawing near to God. True heart. It should be real, genuine. Full assurance. We just went through 1 John where he talked about knowing that you are saved. These things are written that you may know that you have everlasting life. I can say that one a lot better. Uh, uh, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, and our body is washed with pure water. That we even judge our own motives, because we get together and we talk about it, and we are judging, am I right? Am I doing right? I'm sprinkling our heart, washing ourselves, making sure that we're clean in front of Him. Verse 23, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for He is faithful that has promised. Without wavering, we want to hold fast like a ship in a storm. They want to anchor deep. They want to anchor in the water. They want to tie to the land. It'll break their boat apart. They anchor deep. And they want to ride out the storm. And they, don't, they want to hold. They want to be able to take the storm on. They don't give in. We need to not give in. We need to hold to true doctrine, good doctrine. Stand by it. Not be compromising, saying, well, the world has changed. We have to adjust. No, God's word does not change. It is a constant. It is an anchor for our soul. So we're to hold to it. And we're to uphold God's word. Fight for God's word, sustain God's word, and make sure that it is not compromised. We're not to waver, it says here. Not to compromise. He is faithful, it even warns us. He is faithful that promised. He is faithful. We should be faithful to him. We should be obedient unto him. It continues, verse 24. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. We should be encouraging one another. Matter of fact, it's not even the word encourage, it's more provoke. 
You know, kind of like one of those where, you, where that kid would poke you, trying to get you to fight to the point where he's like, he's going to get it because he's going to keep poking you. You know, it's like, we're to provoke one another. You doing something? You doing something? You doing something? You doing something? Provoking one another. Come on, let's go do something for the Lord. Let's go do something for Him. Provoking one another to do something for Him because we see the time is approaching. Verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. He says, not mine. Some do that, but don't you do this. But exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. One, we should see the day approaching. We have eyes to see like a weatherman watching, saying, here's what's going to be. We can look and see and even even uh, predict. Here are more things that we're going to see because we have the Scriptures telling us and we are watching these things coming. You know, it's coming upon the earth. And so we see the day approaching. We should be all the more faithful. Don't stop meeting. Don't stop looking. Don't stop watching. Remember what he did. Remember that he did, came, that did come and that he is coming again. Um, it's Satan's attack to cause us to doubt. Well, you know, church is so inconvenient. You know, it's on the weekend. Well, it's my time. I got my two days. You know, it's going to come in and twice on a Sunday and in the middle of the week. You know, we're going to have that time. You know, it's so boring too. Sorry, I try not to make it boring. <laughs> but bored waiting on Christmas. Try telling a kid that. Well, it's boring waiting on Christmas. No, no, it's not. <laughs> it's exciting. Um, I did the opening exercises with the kids this morning. You know what they talked about? Christmas. <laughs> they're, they're not bored. It's only what the third. <laughs> so they're kind of like, hey, can't wait. I don't know. And talking about what they're going to get. Jeremiah's getting weights. We're not going to be able to control him. <laughs> so, uh, boy, you know, we're not bored with Christmas. Tell old you that. Go back in the time clock and tell you, quit being so excited for Christmas. It's like, no, you can't tell you that. It's like, ah, we like to get excited. Um, Elaine and I were decorating the church. We had Christmas music on. Remind us, you know, how it is. It gets you in that spirit. You know, we use that. Scripture is being fulfilled around us. He should find us faithful. Will he find us faithful? He should. Church is reducing services for lack of attendance. It's like giving in to the worst behaved child. Well, they don't come, so we'll just quit doing it. Or they're not going to eat what I'm feeding them, so I'll feed them what they want. That's called itching ears, teaching. You know, that's called um, goat herders. That's not shepherds of sheep. You know, so we want to be shepherding the flock with the real deals that's going on. We don't give in to the bad-behaved child. We, we try to teach them, instruct them to hold them up. Faithfulness is a discipline that is rewarded by the Lord. Will he find you faithful? He says, I'll reward you for that. Obedience is what we are called to, not disobedience. And so we came, well, all right, one time and then tomorrow. We'll have it this way. No. And I think, I think pastors are being horrible parents if they give in to spoiled brats by saying, well, they won't come, so I'll just be lazy and we'll just do the one and then we'll be done. That way they can check it off their list. It's not a list that we're checking off. It is a <clears throat> obedience, an honoring, putting him first and showing it by being here. We are to be examples. Rest is a reward that comes with him, that he promises to bring us, that we'll have in eternity. Not something that we seek now. You know, it's all right to take a break here and there, you know, but no, not in the middle of the fight. Not while he was returning. Not while his return's drawing near. Uh, we are called to this, Christians. We are called to be watching. We are called to be waiting. We're called to be faithful. We're called to be assembling together so that we can remind each other what we see and what we see going on, that the day is drawing near so that we could be anticipating His return. <clears throat> look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. We'll look at a few pretty quick here. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. <clears throat> 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 9 says, 
For they themselves show us what manner of end we had unto you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. That's a picture of repentance. That you turned to God from idols. You were worshiping idols, and now you've turned to God. And so, um, that is it. You know, that's an about face. You changed direction. I was going this way, but I turned my back on that. Now I'm going towards Him. That verse illustrates that for us. But it's not done. Verse 10. And to wait for His Son from heaven. We turn to God, and then we wait for Him. We watch for Him. We look for Him. And it even goes on and says, For his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which has delivered us from the wrath to come. Yeah, he's delivered us from the wrath to come. We should be anticipating. He's coming home. He's coming home. I think it is him. Scooby waits for Elaine when she pulls in the driveway. Oh, it's mom's car. You know, to get something to wait for you. We should be that way watching, like, oh, he's coming. I see the signs. I hear the noise. I hear the rumbling. I think it's getting closer. You know, and she get more excited as it's there and letting people know. He lets the neighbors know, mom's home. You know, and so we should be watching. He's coming. He's coming. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Well, there, there is a command to wait for his son. We are to be waiting. We are to be watching. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We'll start verse 4. 1 Corinthians 1. <clears throat> verse 4 says, I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God which is given you by Jesus Christ, that in everything you are enriched by him, in all utterance and in all knowledge. Verse 6. Even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you come behind in no gift, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He doesn't want us to be lacking in gifts. He wants us to be receiving gifts by being obedient. And what are we to be doing? Waiting. Waiting for Him. Watching for Him. Looking for Him. So we're to be faithful, waiting for Him. Look at Philippians chapter 3. I want to pull out several to show you. It's not just one verse. Philippians chapter 3. Philippians 3 and verse 18. Philippians 3, 18 says, For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now I tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. We've got to watch out. There's enemies, verse 19, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly. Uh, they do not care about telling them the truth. They care about making sure they have a paycheck every week, making sure that they can meet their mortgage. Maybe some of them have an airplane or two or whatever. You know, so these, these are preachers for profit. They're not preachers of the word. You know, so uh, the end of destruction, the God is their belly. They're seeking to serve themselves. And whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. They only think about here and now. They're not thinking about Later, verse 20, for our conversation is in heaven, from whence we also look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We are looking for Him, watching for Him. And almost like He says it, like He's always looking up. We are looking for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, verse 21, who shall change our vile body that may be fashioned like unto His glorious body, according to the working whereby He is able even to subdue all things unto Himself. He's going to bring a gift. He's going to give you a glorified body, one that doesn't sin, one that doesn't wear out, one that can... Run forever and, and, and be good and, and never have death. It's exciting. Look at uh, Titus. A little book just to the right a little bit. Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2 verse 11 says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust." We should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. That's how we should live now, you know, soberly. 
righteously, godly in this present world. Verse 13 tells us what we ought to be doing, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and Savior Jesus Christ who gave Himself for us. We should be looking for Him. We should live a life as a, of anticipation, watching the signs because He told it. That means we know that it's going to happen and so we are looking for it. We are seeing it and we, as we watch it come upon the earth. Look at one. Well, we got two more. Look at Isaiah 25. <clears throat> Old Testament. Isaiah chapter 25 speaks of this as well. Isaiah 25, verse 8. Isaiah 25, 8 says, He will swallow up death in victory, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from off all faces. The rebuke of His people shall He take away from off all the earth, for the Lord has spoken it. Verse 9. And it shall be said in that day, Lo, this is our God. We have waited for Him. He will save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for Him. We will be glad and rejoice in His salvation. We were faithful. We waited. It's a keeping yourself pure kind of verse. Kind of like a husband and a wife who waited for each other and kept themselves. We waited. Song of Solomon. You know, the bride, you know, the Shulamite who waited for her Lord, who kept herself for the Lord, you know, specifically for that time, so they can, you know, be rewarded when they get there. Uh, Matthew 24 is one we're familiar with, but it illustrates it well. Matter of fact, it's in a passage of the end times when the Lord's talking about it. Matthew 24 and verse 42. Matthew 24, 42. Watch ye therefore. For you know not what hour your Lord doth come. But now this, but know this, sorry, that if the good man of the house had known and, and what watch the thief would have come, he would have watched and would have not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore be you also ready, for in such an hour you think not the Son of Man cometh. Verse 45. Who then is faithful and wise servant, whom his Lord hath made ruler over his household to give them meat in due season? Blessed is that servant, whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. We want to be that one. We want to get that blessed servant, the one who is faithful, the one who is watching, the one who is in the house, the one who is doing the things in the house that he's supposed to be doing when his Lord comes. Because he asked the question, will I find faith on the earth when I return? You know, will men be faithful? Will we be watching? Will we be waiting? And then he warns the evil ones, verse 47. Verily I say unto you that he shall make him ruler over all the earth, verse 48, or all of his goods, verse 48. But if that evil servant shall say in his heart, My Lord delayeth his coming, and shall bring, uh, begin to smite his fellow servants, and to eat and to drink with the drunkards, the Lord of that service shall come in a day when he looketh not for him, and an hour when he is not aware. Uh, going to come upon him all at once, and then it doesn't turn out too good for that guy. It's bad. <laughs> so we are to wait. We are to mark the days. We are to count the time. We are to watch the world and see the day approaching. And then gather together and talk about it. Do you see the day approaching? Have you seen this? I was encouraged by some of this even morning. People tell me of signs that they are seeing. The Jews said that they anticipated his coming. They cried for it. They suffered for it. They begged him for it. Send your Messiah. When's Messiah coming? They were waiting for it. But when the signs begin to show, a star appears in the sky. Angels appeared to shepherds. Zechariah's story. He was in the temple and they say he saw an angel, and he gave him a message. It's been 400 years, they heard nothing. What was that world like? How many were ready? How many were anticipating? How many were like, oh, I see the signs, let's get watching. Look at Luke 2. Luke chapter 2. 
it gives us two. I'll look at one. Luke, Luke 2. Luke 2, let me go to, uh, I'm going to jump in about verse 21. It says, when the eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Jesus, which was so named to the angels um, before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it was written in the law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy unto the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to that which is in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and that the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. So this is what he was doing. He was seeing the signs. He was observing. He had lived his life waiting for the first coming of Jesus Christ. He's coming. The Bible says he is coming. It had been 400 silent years. People are like, I don't know. I think he's given up. They've gone about their business. He was faithful in waiting. He was faithful in being observant. And the Holy Ghost comes upon him. Verse 26. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took, him, uh, took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all the earth, a light to the Gentiles and a glory for thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Blessed or behold, this child is set for the fall and the rising of many in Israel and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. And then there's Anna that comes up after that. But they were at least two of them that were waiting, two of them they were anticipating, two of them were there and they got it and they saw it. Even as a baby, they knew who he was and they testified and they praised it. Signs were increasing as he grew older. They were showing he was fulfilling what he was doing. Oh, teaching parables, he taught him parables. Healing the blind, he healed the blind. Teaching to this, you know, where he came from, what he was doing. Again and again and again, with many infallible proofs, he showed who he was and they killed him. Let's not be doubters. Let's not be deniers. <laughs> they don't have the option of killing him this time. He comes back this time and he's the one who deals out. Let's be believing. Let's be watchers who are looking, who are faithful, who are obedient, and who are waiting, excitedly anticipating his return. As we see the horrible things on the earth, yes, it's horrible. We pray for those to stop and we do what we can. But we also check it off as saying, that's another ornament on the tree, that's another day, another thing showing that his... His return is coming. His advent. We should be saying Maranatha as we see it, right? Come quickly, Lord Jesus, is what it means as we anticipate the coming of the Lord. So as we finish this first advent, and we know that He came and He fulfilled the first one, and we know that He's coming again the second one, we are to anticipate His return. We are to begin marking the days. And as we count down towards Christmas, as we remember His first coming, we should also be able to look apart and see he came the first time. He is coming the second time. What do we see? We should be marking the days. We should see the day approaching. He should find us faithful. We should determine within ourselves, we will be faithful. I will be faithful. Determine now. Don't wait for the day of battle. 
Don't wait as it gets harder and harder. Let's determine now. For me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will be there. And he'll find us faithful when he comes. We can be that Simeon. We can be that Anna that was waiting. We can be those that are anticipating him, that they're faithful to his house. It's like, today, Lord? And he finds us there. It'd be, it'd be exciting. Uh, be the ones looking for him as he returns. It's exciting to think about that he did. It's exciting to think about that he is. And we have those signs around us. Let's close in prayer.